You are listening to audio from Creekside Community Church. If you'd like to learn more about Creekside, find out about our services and upcoming events, or listen to other sermons, please visit creeksidecommunity.org. What's going on, Creekside? Yeah, this is my, uh, my East Bay family, my San Leandro family. Love being here. Love my, my brother, uh, Jeff. That's uh, my brother. We, we are cut from the same cloth, brother from another mother, and uh, love doing life with, with, uh, uh, with uh, the Bruces. So, so thankful for them. And I have a lot of friends in, in, uh, in, uh, in uh, Creekside. I, I told them if I wasn't at my church, I know what I will be. I will be right here at Creekside. I uh, said, hey, man, y'all got everything here, man. I, I, love, I like that. You got uh, things to get your whole situation together. Praise the Lord. All right, let me, um, let me go ahead and I'm going to read our text this morning, and I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to ju- uh, jump right into the Word of God. Um, our text this morning, it comes from Matthew chapter 28, the end of the book. If you got Matthew chapter 29, let me see your Bible, because it shouldn't be. This is the end of the book, Matthew 28, and we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20. And let me read that text for us this morning uh, before I pray for us. Jesus says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Let's pray. Father, as I stand before this beautiful congregation of people, Lord, a congregation, Lord, that I've stood before in the past, Lord, what a joy it is to do it once more. Lord, you already know what we are dealing with and what we are bringing to this room right now. And Lord, I pray right now that you will begin to settle our hearts, prepare our hearts, open our hearts to hear your word this morning, whatever that may be. And so, Lord, we're praying, God, that you would tear down strongholds, that you would build us up in the places that we need to be built up, that you would convict us and rebuke us where we need to be built up, rebuked, and corrected. But, Lord, your word gives new life. We pray for new life, new understanding. Lord, we pray that you would do only what you can as the word of God is going forth this morning. And I also pray, Lord, for this preacher. Lord, this beggar of bread going to you, asking you for the same meal that I offer this morning. Lord, I pray all this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, it's uh, always a joy for me once again to come to Creekside to give you guys an update on what's been going on at Realm Church and what we're learning at Realm Church as a result of our partnership as a result of the Lord placing you in our lives to help to keep us on uh, focus on mission as I get the chance to talk with Jeff and the uh, elders here to make sure that we're staying focused on mission, praise the Lord. And, um, and, and as we look at that, there's a couple of things that I'll say this as far as what's been going on in our life. Uh, some of you may know uh, that um, it's been about 10 years, but uh, we have another addition coming to the family in about three weeks. And uh, so praise the Lord for that. Thank you for, for that. Amen. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how all that happens, and so uh, I'm, I'm still going back to school. Uh, but, um, uh, but we're thankful to God for that. We're thankful to God that we finally found a place of permanency in the Bay. We purchased a, a home uh, in the East Bay. We're thankful for that. 
And, uh, and the Lord has been working a lot with us. We're thankful for the growth that we've been able to experience um, in ministry as well. But there's one theme that we continue to go back to that we have to remind ourselves of when we're talking about staying on mission and being and living missionally in the Bay Area. And, and I, I think that it has everything to do with what we're going to be talking about today. A common question that we deal with as a church uh, plant, and even a common question that I think that we all ask ourselves as well, if we're honest this morning, is, Lord, what is it that you want us to do? What are you calling us to in this world? What is your will for my life? All of us probably at some point or even now, we're asking those questions or we've asked that question. Lord, what are you calling me to? Should our church get involved with this cause? Should we uh, throw this event? Should we offer this service? Um, Lord, even if it's personally, Lord, do you, are you calling me to take this job? Are you calling me to marry this person? Which is very important because if that person don't know that you think about marrying them, then we have another problem. <laughs> we got to get Pastor Jeff uh, and the elders involved. Uh, but we're, we're, we're inundated with these questions because there's a desire to know what the Lord's will is for us because we want to prosper in what the Lord has called us to do. We want to do His will. And I think discovering God's will for our lives, it takes great wisdom and discernment and counsel and can even cause anxiety in our lives when left unchecked. However, there is incredible clarity on the topic of God's will for our lives when we look at the end of the book of Matthew. Incredible clarity there. If you ever had any confusion as to what God has called you to do in this life, go to the end of the book of Matthew. It, be, it even becomes clear that when Jesus teaches at the end of Matthew that the bucket, that every other bucket of mission comes from, or, uh, or the, every other bucket of mission is filled, it, comes, or it becomes filled from this bucket right here, this Matthew 28 bucket, when we're talking about mission. So the question is that we're going to be answering today and looking at is how does Matthew 28 even uniquely answer the question about realms calling? The church plant that we are, are this missional outwork and outposts in Oakland, even Creekside, but even your own personal life. What does Matthew 28 have to, have to do with that? I think that there's something here for us that the Lord will have us to know in 2023 uh, as we continue to press on in the mission. I think it has to do with two words, power and purpose. Matthew 28 has everything to do with this idea of power and purpose, and we'll see that in the following two points. Um, and the first one that I want us to see, if you're following along in your bulletin, is that, listen, Jesus endows us with great power for great purpose. Jesus endows us with great power for great purpose. Allow me to set the context real quick. What is going on right now? You have these three verses that Jesus is about to give some of the most powerful words to the church to set us on mission in order to reach this world and proclaiming his excellencies to the world. But just prior to this chapter, you have the crucifixion, you have the burial and resurrection of Jesus, which we get to celebrate here in a few weeks. And after spending some time with his disciples, Jesus is going to make several post-resurrection appearances, and Jesus now gets to the final things. Say final things with me. Final things, that's right. He gets to the final things now. 
And this is seen in starting in verse 18. Jesus came to them and said, speaking of his disciples, this is what he said. And I'm going to read it once again for us just to refresh what we're talking about here. Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What you have here is Jesus' final instructions. It's his final instructions for anyone who's going to follow Jesus. This is his final instructions to his, to his church, to his disciples before he ascends on high. If someone says, here are my final instructions, that's a lean in moment. That's a, let, me, let me make sure everything is quiet now. Let me make sure I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying clearly after all the teachings. After all the prophecies and miracles, here's the spiritual last will and testament, if you will. And Jesus gives his great commission. And what you're going to notice as I'm going to exposit and teach this is that there are four alls that you're going to see here that Jesus is going to simply use to give you some purpose or calling in life. Every last one of us who call on the name of the Lord for salvation. Amen. But the first all that we're going to see here. And we're going to look at one in this point is that Jesus says all authority, all authority. He says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Now, what's the relevance of this statement? It's given to Jesus, this authority by the Father for our good. But there's another reason as to why Jesus proclaims and states this fact that all power has been given to him. He says, listen, whatever I'm going to ask you to do. Whatever I'm going to, I'm getting ready to commission you to do, whatever that is, whatever's about to come out of my mouth, he says, I'm going to endow you with my authority. We, we need to hear that this morning. Before we go in and go further, you're going to be endowed with authority. And authority practically means that you can have power and courage to do what I'm about to tell you to do. It's necessary that Jesus says this. And I think that all of us, as we're sitting and listening to what I'm about to say, is this going to be another sermon that's going to tell me to do a bunch of stuff? Well, maybe. But I think it's a little bit more than that. I think it's more complicated than that. I think there's more grace involved in this. He says that, listen, I'm, whatever I'm about to ask you to do, I need you to know that it is endowed with power and authority because all power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. One of my favorite genres in, um, in, in uh, movies, one of my favorite genres is westerns. I got that from my grandpappy, my grandfather, who came up from Arkansas, World War II vet, real gritty man. And uh, he loved uh, westerns. I love westerns. And, and particularly about those westerns, I especially love the parts and the scenes where you have those sheriffs and the bounty hunters show up at a house to carry out a warrant. I'm like, yeah, I'm a St. Louis, and that takes some grit. I'm from the show me state. Show them that warrant. And then what they do, they call out to the house. I got a warrant here for so-and-so. Come on out. I said, you wait for suspense and see how this thing is going to go down. Who has more grit and who has more power in this situation? What is a warrant? A warrant is an instrument issued by a magistrate authorizing an officer to lawfully carry out the will of the court. In other words, I'm not here on my own authority or even on my own request. I'm here because one with authority has endowed me with a responsibility to carry out the will of his jurisdiction. 
the, the, the Great Commission becomes this warrant for the Christian uh, not to exercise um, a pain or not to exercise um, a rest, but is to exercise the authority of one with authority who sends us. It is a warrant that God gives us. It is authority that he sends us with, not by our own authority or even by our own request. I know some of us are already thinking, like, I don't want to talk to people. I don't want to do this. Well, that's, well, that's okay, because you're not there on your own authority, and you're not there by your own request. Someone with more authority has given us. In the same way that the lawman has the full weight of the state behind him, you have the full weight of support from the one to whom all power in heaven on earth has been given to. It's not only with your own authority. What Jesus is about to charge the church with is going to feel impossible. And let me tell you this, it is impossible apart from Jesus. It is impossible apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible apart from this power right here. And if we're responsible, it says it's going to feel impossible if we're responsible for what he's about to say, but we're not responsible in and of ourselves. Let me continue to unpack what this is saying, I believe. To put it another way, if what Jesus is about to say doesn't begin with power, it, would, it will end in peril. I'm so glad that Jesus forethought this thing and thought this thing through. If what he says doesn't begin with power, it will end with peril. We need courage. And if we're honest this morning, if we're going to talk about Jesus to this world, we need the courage and boldness to do it. Is there anyone in this place that know that they need power and encouragement and courage to do this thing? Now, some of us, we're just naturally awkward and we can talk to anybody at any time. Praise the Lord. That might be a gift for, uh, of the Lord for, for the church and for this world. But when you look in the scriptures, you just do a simple survey and you see what was needed in order to carry out the Great Commission. Peter to preach, it's a courage for Peter to preach Jesus after being arrested by a regional authority, which seems to be heating up in the West, places like England, and certainly even in the United States, as we continue to proclaim the truth of the gospel, you will see more arrests accompanied with it. It takes courage. And it takes power for the church to pray in the midst of persecution. You guys remember what happened in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30? I know you remember. I'm just going to say this just so make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> what, what happens after they experience persecution for proclaiming Jesus to a world that hated him? It says here that, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Translation, Lord, I am succumbing and I feel the, the threats of the, the, the culture around me and they are threatening us right now. Lord, will you give us some boldness to keep on doing what you told us to do? This is what they prayed for. They prayed for for boldness, and they didn't pray for boldness because it's cute and spiritual. They prayed for boldness because they needed it. Lord, will you give us what we need? I believe it takes an empowering courage for our brothers and sisters to keep on loving and keep on serving and keep on reaching and keep on preaching overseas as they are being carried off and being persecuted and killed. Let's not forget those 
were serving overseas in places where the gospel is illegal to preach. See, I didn't know y'all was going to get all this this morning, did you? We're talking about mission today. It's going to take power for you and I to continue to offer the news of a loving God to a culture who equates, listen, they equate the love of Jesus with hate and intolerance. When we first got here, I remember when we first got here, they, we had people that wanted to protest against us. And I, and I might have shared this story before, but listen, they wanted to protest against us. And I said, that, listen, I know that somebody's going to eventually protest against me, but I thought it was going to be for something I said. I hadn't said nothing yet. We didn't even plant the church yet, Jeff. They found out that I was involved with this particular network, and they said, read this, and said, oh, you believe this about this and believe this about that? Reached out and said, hey, listen, hey, we're going to plaster you all over social media, and we're going to lead a protest against your church. I reached out to the person and said, hey, would you like to talk? He said, yeah, I'd like to talk. Took him to Lake Merritt. God bless this brother. He was so nervous. I don't know if he thought that I was going to show up with a five-piece suit, Jeff. I showed up with jeans and tennis shoes around Lake Merritt. He was so nervous. He was shaking. But he had this paper that says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And I said, brother, listen, let me tell you something. Like, before we get there, I'm going to tell you everything I believe, but I want you to understand who you're talking to, and I want to get to know you so we can humanize one another. Let me get to get, talk with you and get to know you a little bit. And we talked and talked, and I found out things about his past, and he found out things about my past. And, and at the end of the walk, I said, listen, we, we survived this. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think that I'm hateful? I proclaimed the truth of the gospel. I didn't budge on what I believe. And everything he had on that paper, I said, yes, I affirm. And let me tell you why I affirm it. But do you believe that I hate you? He had his shoulders tense. He paused. He dropped his shoulders, threw his head down and said, no. He says, you are oozing love. I just said nothing about the postings and nothing about the protests. But when I got home, something told me, I believe the Spirit told me, check the social media. Check the social media. He took every single thing down, sent me an email, said, brother, I would love for you to come into this neighborhood. We may not believe alike, but I know that you love. We need the world to know. Praise the Lord. Amen. We need the world to understand who this Christ is. And most of what people are doing is that they're rejecting caricatures of Jesus based on their experience and based on what they think they understand about Christ. But we are sent into the world with, and we need this courage to do it. Paul calls it, says it like this. He says it in Romans 1 and 16, he says that, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. That word power is the same word that we get dynamite from, dunamis. It is the dynamite for salvation. This world needs the power that Jesus endows you with, and it is the power of salvation, to salvation for everyone who believes. But what is this power and authority to Jesus? What is he provided for? Well, let's, let's unpack the, more of the Great Commission. Let's go to our second point and our final point for the day. Listen, Jesus, before he talks about what he wants us to do, he endows us with great power for great purpose. Well, what is that, that purpose? Jesus endows us with great purpose for all of life. Let's go ahead and break that down. What is Jesus empowering the church to do? What is he empowering us to do? Why do we have power right now for courage? We now find ourselves moving toward the second all. It says that, but first, Jesus says, listen, because this power, therefore, Go. He's making the connection for us. Therefore, 
Because of this authority and this power that I'm given to you, the connection I'm making here is therefore go, some to go. Now, I, I want you to notice this, that this was not a suggestion. It's not a good, it's just not a good, simply an, an opinion that Jesus is giving. Uh, it's written in the imperative, which means that Jesus is speaking as if he's a king. Who would have thought? He's speaking in the imperative, go, and this was what you call a royal decree. You can look at it like that. I love this, this text, that, this quote from, uh, from a guy by the name of Abraham Kuyper. He says that there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Let me read that again. There is not a square inch and the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. Every single place, every square inch of life, take Jesus with you, is going to be what this, what this commission means. I think with the call of the Great Commission, you immediately cease, and here's the transition that we have to make. With the Great Commission, we immediately cease being an agent unto ourselves where we simply represent ourselves. How many of you grew up with, with people who had kids, and you're about to have kids, and they tell you that, listen, your life don't belong to yourself anymore. You, you got kids now, and so, so you got to start pouring out some of that energy, to them, a lot of that energy to them kids. I love my kids. God bless you all. <laughs> when you have the Great Commission, your life ceases to be your own, as a matter of fact, you cease from being an agent unto yourself and you begin to be an agent for the gospel. An agent of change for the gospel, for your families, for your communities, for, for, this, for this world. And Jesus says, go, which means this will require movement toward something. Toward what? Toward people. It moves us towards people. And, and, I, and I just noticed that from all my introverts in the room, you, I heard the sigh within you. I don't want to deal with people. That's for extroverts. Just for the record, I believe that Jesus is perfectly an introvert and perfectly an extrovert. Work that out for yourself. I, don't, I, I digress. Wherever they may be or whoever they may be, move towards people. And, and here's the thing. It says, go and move towards people to what end? Let's move through this. Starting, it starts in verse 19, to what end? What does he want us to do? He says, listen, the call of the church and of every Christian who's called on the name of the Lord for salvation and who has entered into the church and been justified and made right before the Lord where they will be living with God forever the call is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Make followers of me from people of all nations. The commission moves us towards people, which means that there is no time for us to become enchained and imprisoned by worldly or cultural barriers that the world is all too happy to throw up all around us. It, it, that word there, it says, of all nations, if you look in the Greek, it's pantai, uh, tai ethne, which means that, he says, to all the ethnicities, all the people groups of the, of the world, there are about 16,000 distinct, diverse cultures in the world. We have a beautiful opportunity in the Bay. 
That's why I moved to the Bay from St. Louis. Diversity in St. Louis meant good baseball, and maybe you have a basketball team somewhere. White and black. If you got white and black, you're doing all right. Until you get into the, on the airport, you head this way. You're like, man, this looks different. You see people from all over the world. We call this a local area, a global interlocal area. The Lord has brought the nations to this place, and it makes it even easier. God made it convenient for you all and for us in the Bay Area to reach the nations. Amen? Like my brothers and sisters, even leading the efforts with bridges and, and schools that of, of international renown, like Berkeley, is all here in the Bay Area. Oakland was the most diverse city in the country when I moved there. That's one of the reasons why I came to this region, because the nations are here. And Jesus says, go to all the people groups of the world and proclaim this gospel. That means he's calling some of us and some of you across the world, and some of you may be, uh, may be heeding a call or getting ready to heed a call to, to go across the world to preach the, uh, preach the gospel in, uh, in foreign territory. And some of us, that simply means going up the street and going across the street. Let me get, I, I love this idea. You know what? When I preached for the first time, Jeff, you may not remember this, but that was actually right at St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day was the first time I preached her, and now it's St. Patrick's Day just Friday. And I'm reminded that he's one of my favorite people in the whole world, because that's my brother, Irish brother. We look just alike. <laughs> we sure do. Let me tell you a little bit about this brother. This brother, he was, uh, he was English, not Irish, if you didn't know that. He was English, not Irish. He was, as a boy, he was abducted and sold into slavery in, slavery in Ireland. Sold into slavery, he finally got from up under the thumb of his enslave, uh, of the enslaver, got under the thumb, and he ran across and got back to Britain. He got back to Britain. Spirit got a hold of him, and he couldn't shake it. This is about four, the fifth century, the four hundreds, and and as he's sitting back at home, he said that there's something that I need to do that the Lord is calling me to, and and maybe I can be bogged down by hurt and hate. Maybe I can say that, listen, I will never talk to another Irishman a day in my life, but there was something that took hold of his heart that was more important than what he even experienced. He said, no, I'm going to take the gospel back to to Ireland. I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to go back to Ireland, and I'm going to become a missionary there, even so much so that people have no idea that the man was English. He's so tied into the fate of the Irish. This is what the Great Commission causes us to do. It causes us to tear down strongholds that the culture would say, do not get past, build those walls up, and make sure you stay behind them. It's safer behind those walls, I know. It's harder to overcome those things that you feel that people are thinking about you and, and overcome the experiences and the things that you watch on media, trying to figure out what type of person this is and, and what's that look because I'm this color or what's that because of this or, or does he think I'm responsible for that? The gospel says that, listen, you can have all those conversations, but the point is you're not an agent unto yourself. You go and reach. You keep on moving towards people. Let me, let me get to some application here, but the point is he says that, listen, what are you going to do with them after you, when you're breaking down these cultural strongholds? You're going to baptize them in the name of the triune God, the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're going to teach them to observe all that I taught. That's the third all. To teach them to observe all that I have taught. Did you know that he didn't say to teach them to know? Teach them to know, to observe, which means this is a part of life. 
I'm going to walk with you, and and you get to walk with me, and then you're going to, I'm going to teach you to observe and obey all that he taught, baptizing them. The name of the triune God, as I said. What does all this mean for our churches? What does all this mean for our churches? What does all this mean for us 2,000 years after this has been originally given? Well, let me just give a couple things here that I think would be helpful when I get out your way here. I believe that this is best carried out, one, in the context of the local church. For anybody who may be visiting said that, hey, I, do, I carry out the Great Commission and uh, I kind of do it on my own. I visit churches here and there. That is not God's vision for you to carry out the Great Commission. The Great Commission is to be carried out in the context of the local church where that means that when you are gathered, praise the Lord, you get the uh, sup together. When you're scattered and you're sent throughout the week, you get to preach the gospel, proclaim, share Jesus with people. But you get to come right back and do that and share life with them in the local church. You're you're, you're baptizing the context of local church. You're teaching all that Jesus has taught through the preached word and through other means of the preached word. You you attend church. You also invite people to church. And you also support church planning as you all do here. One, but two also means that our highest mission in this life is quite simple. What's our highest mission in this life? If you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. Our highest calling in this life is to give the world Jesus. That's our highest calling. Give this dying world Jesus and give yourself more of Jesus. Jesus is not the, only, the most important person for your own personal world and for my own personal world. I know sometimes when we find out a secret place, in a secret place we like to eat those restaurants, we like to keep it all to ourselves. That's my spot. I ain't going to tell nobody else about it. That's my thing. They say, no, that's my theater. I don't tell nobody about this. That's my little secret. No, no, Jesus, he's not just for your own personal world. He's for, he's for the world. He's for your, for your neighbor. It's for your coworker, your classmates, your, that family member. It's, it's for your community as well. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I'm going to get out your way, but listen. The problem is that we believe that when they are driving crazy on 880 and 580 and 680 and 24 and 13, all the highways I seem to do every single week, taking my kids to school for my new place, the problem is that when they act crazy, we believe that we should give them more of ourselves. Yeah. And I know some of y'all probably cut me off a couple of times too. That's where they be right next to me praying for me. I'm like, uh, wait a minute, let me just tell, why, why, did you, why did you cut me off? Why did you do, why, what was going on through your mind like we having a whole conversation? Through horns and through windows. That don't make any sense. I don't, I, I'm, I don't do that, y'all. I'm, <laughs> most of the time. The problem is that we believe that when our spouse says something that interrupts the tranquility of our world and is disagreeing with some things within us, tempting to activate the works of the flesh to come out, we believe that we should give our spouses more of ourselves versus the spirit. Okay, maybe I'm going to go somewhere else. Okay, well, how about this? Or even when the world is divided, we give the world more of the world, especially every four years. We on Twitter, we on uh, Instagram, or whatever your thing is, giving the world more of the world and going back and forth with them on their own terms. If I'm saying something that says, if you can't say amen, just say ouch. <laughs> Listen. That's not what we're called to. We're not the call to give the world to simply more of ourselves and, and more of the flesh or, or more of the world standards. We're called to give the world. It's simple. Give them Jesus. 
Give him Jesus. Jesus could have said many other things, but he didn't. He says, give the world me. For the brokenness in our families, give the world me. In response to racism and genderism, political divides, and any other thingism that you could think of, give the world me. I said her as a church planner, as a church planner in the midst of a culture who's div- divisive and, and they don't, many of them don't want the church. I'm, tell, I'm sitting here as a person saying from the field saying that nothing else works but Jesus. Nothing else works. Even when we're defeated by our own sin. As the song said this morning, that, that many are our sins, but your mercy is greater and more. He says, we give ourselves and give, Jesus gives more of himself to us. Okay. I'm having too much fun here because I don't even know how long I've been going, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to close right here. Listen, there are many ways in which we can do this as a way of life to give the world Jesus. And, and, and here's the thing. I love the way that the scriptures give it to us and, and, and say it. Listen, let me, let me read this quote from us uh, right now. It, is, it says, wherever man may stand, where, whatever he may do, this is talking about men and women, to whatever he may apply his hand in agriculture and commerce and in industry or in his mind and the world of art and science, he is in whatsoever it may be constantly standing before the face of his God. He is employed in the service of his God. He has strictly to obey his God. And above all, he is to aim at the glory of his God. When you look in scriptures, you see all these different ways in which the Lord and people carry out the great commission and giving people the world from different industries of life. Let me just give this to you. I'm going to pray this out. You see business owners in the, in the scriptures living out the great commission. You see Lydia, the seller of purple. She's giving the great commission by using her, her business and using her proceeds in order to make room for church planning. You see real estate owners like Barnabas who is making room and selling half of his property in order to fuel mission that, that the Great Commission may be preached. You have doctors like Luke that's writing uh, about the Great Commission, the gospel, Mil- military like Centurion, and you have the non-esteemed, uneducated like Peter. You know, they told Peter, he said, man, you don't even have your, your GED, brother. You didn't even got your college degree. Why are you talking to us? He comes endowed with the, the gospel, with the authority of the Lord. Wherever you may find yourself, whatever profession you may find yourself, whether you're a student, whether you're at home, whether you are a parent, whatever you may find yourself today, you can carry out the Great Commission by giving the world, world Jesus and praying for discernment on when it's best to do that. And I pray and I believe that when you pray for the opportunities to do that, God will open up your eyes and you will begin to see opportunities where you say, that, hey, let me talk to you about Jesus. Or, or hey, can we talk a little bit? I noticed that you've been... Or, or maybe, have you ever considered this? God will give you more opportunity, but that is part of your calling and your mission. And it's the highest calling that we have to be on mission. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray for us this morning right now. I pray, Lord, for your people once again to follow your plan and to follow your plan to be on mission, to give this world you. I pray, God, that against the divisions, Lord, that we often allow to come back up and the walls that we allow to come back up because of the culture and because of the things that we experience in this world, real hurts, real pains, real things we see. But I pray, God, that you are more important and we trust you to be the God that heals as well as the God who continues to put us on mission that the world may have more of you. I pray this for us this morning in the name of Christ. Amen.